You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. We're going to look at what the Bible says about financial stewardship. And I hope you will keep an open mind as we look into God's Word. Some people are looking for answers about money. Some do not understand why we give. Why should I give? I don't have an abundance of money. Let those who have plenty of money support the church. I work hard for my money. So, war, so hard for it, honey. You know that song? <laughs> I will spend it wherever your answer lies. I hope you want to hear what God says about it. The fact is, the whole money topic anywhere, but especially in church, can cause us to squirm a little bit. How much we make, what we buy, how we spend our money, what's in our bank account, how much we have in our retirement, and what we give to the church. It's all information that we want to keep very close to us. It's personal, it's private. We don't like people poking around in our finances. And I know some of you, this may be your very first time here at New Life. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I knew it. This church has always talked about money. Anybody here for the first time? Well, I want to promise you that that's not really the... the uh, that's not really true. If you just keep coming back, you will see that that's not the thing that we talk about most. And the good news is the Bible has a lot to say about this. In fact, do you know that 15% of everything that Jesus ever said that's recorded in the New Testament has to do with money and possessions? One out of every seven words he spoke had to do with this topic. Why? Because he knew how central it is in our lives and how crucial it is to our spiritual health and development. And there are varying opinions about tithing. As I said in the earlier service, I don't know why Pastor Ken assigned me with this, with this topic. It is a hard topic, for me at least. Because there are those who believe that we don't have to tithe anymore in the New Testament. And so today, my hope is to bring clarity regarding financial stewardship. What is tithing? Do we still need to tithe? And understanding why we give. So for those of you who have your Bibles, I know you have been spoiled with technology because of this, but sometimes it's good to hear those pages flipping. So you can open your Bibles, Genesis 14, chapter 14, verse 18 to 20. And this is how it reads. Shall we all stand and read it together, please? I want you to read it with me. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, 
creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God, most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Again, we ask that you bring clarity to each and every one of us here, Lord. May may you speak to us clearly in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Now, if you read about Abraham in the book of Genesis, it starts around the 12th chapter and goes on to several chapters. And as you know, Abraham is a very prominent figure in the Bible. And then if you continue reading his story, suddenly on chapter 14, on this particular part, a character named Melchizedek just popped up from nowhere. We don't know who he is. He did not have a genealogy for us to read about. He was never mentioned before, never heard of him. And suddenly, Melchizedek shows up on chapter 14. What we know about Melchizedek on these verses was that he was a priest of God Most High, the king of Salem, which later became Jerusalem. It says here, he brought bread and wine. Now, who else do you know who is the king of Jerusalem who shared bread and wine with his disciples the night before he died? Jesus, right? There is nothing, no explanation at all about Melchizedek in the Old Testament. But there is considerable explanation of Melchizedek in the New Testament. And as you read at the end of this verse, Abram, later named Abraham, gave him a tenth or a tithe of everything. The story behind this is that Abraham just came back from a battle, from a war. And he got all the spoils from the battle and Abraham gave Melchizedek 10% of all the possessions that he got. And that's just what we know about him. And the rest of the story, again, just goes on with Abraham, if you continue with the rest of the chapters. And so we go to another chapter on Genesis 28. On Genesis 28, this is how it reads. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be my God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. There it is again. Now, from whom do you think Jacob learned to do tithing? From his grandpa, Abraham. Remember? Abraham? Isaac, Jacob, most of you know Abraham was abundantly blessed by God. He's got a lot of servants. He's got a lot of livestock, a lot of gold, a lot of silver. Abraham was a very wealthy man because God blessed him. So what does this mean all to us? There are people who say that tithing only applies to the Old Testament because it was part of the law of Moses And that it does not apply to the New Testament anymore. That tithing ended 
with the law of Moses. Well, we can agree that we are no longer under the law because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But tithing did not end because it never began with the law to begin with. This thing that we just read about Melchizedek happened about 2085 B.C., before Common Era. And he mentioned, and, the, and, and the, the mention of tithing here, or the vow of Jacob, happened in about 1930 BCE. The law was not given until after the Exodus, or when the Jews were, were freed from Egypt, which is about 1446 BCE. What does that mean? This means that more than 600 years before the law ever existed, Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. Tithing preceded the law. It happened before the law of Moses. So tithing was originally introduced through the law, but through Abraham. Which means we don't stop giving our tithes and our offerings today. You see, the Lord's plan for our church, for every church, is a simple one. You, you know there's a lot of 7-Eleven, for example, around us, right? Some even Walgreens, 24 hours open, right? And, and these places, let's say the 7-Eleven, they cater to people to feed their, their physical hunger and thirst, a temporary uh, way of, of feeding them, right? Well... They have employees to pay. They open 24 hours, some of them. But you see, the church, this church, one of them, for example, how many times do we open for service every week? Mostly one day a week. We open the congregation, the church, every Sunday. Sometimes only for a few hours. Here you have two services. In Norwalk, we have a one service. What does that mean? That means for the entire week, we only have one offering in Norwalk. Here you have two single offerings. And yet, we don't sell any products. We don't provide any services. And yet, the Lord continues to sustain this church. One offering or two offerings for this campus. All of you have jobs. You have places of employment. You work eight hours. I work my tail off during the week. I work sometimes eight, ten hours, five days a week, you know, to sustain my business. But God's church, one day a week, every Sunday. And yet, for generations to generations, He sustained the church by the faithful tithes and offerings of His people. The work is to be supported. His simple plan is for his people to give a minimum of a tithe to support his work. The fact that Jesus stood by the treasury of the temple and watched people as they put their money indicates that he is interested in what we give and how they gave it. The subject of money is a very touchy one for some people, but it should not be. We should be eager to know God's method for our giving and be eager to obey God in this area. 
God has given us many wonderful promises which depend on our obedience in this area. And as we become obedient to God in our giving, we will begin to see His blessing of provision for our material needs in a wonderful way. And anyone who is serious about following the Lord must take giving seriously. Now, let me tell you something, for example. Let's say, for those of you who are seated together next to you right now, I, I, I ask you, okay, I want you to get the purse of the next person next to you and you exchange. And then, I'm going to ask you to pull as much money as you can out of that bag. And I'm going to tell you, okay, I want you to put in the offering uh, basket what you feel, what you're led to put in that basket. That feels a lot easier, right? It's, it, because it's not your money. You can give away something that you don't own, right? At work, we do that sometimes. We spend companies' money as if like nothing because it's not ours. That is the kind of attitude that we need to develop when we give because we are just stewards. We are not the owners of what we have. Everything in your pocket, everything that you own at home is not yours. You are the steward. God has given you those to steward. So when you give out 10%, what God gives you 100%, and all he's asking for you to give is 10% of that 100%. And again, come to think about it, sometimes we don't feel like tithing because we think about our bills. We think about, oh, I need to buy this instead. What's happening is we trust more of that 10% than what God, the Creator, can do for us. God has given us many wonderful promises which depend on our obedience in this area. And as we become obedient to God in our giving, we will begin to see His blessing for provision. And there are three reasons why some people do not tithe. Let's look at them. First reason is that they have never been taught to tithe. Oh, earlier in the, in the morning service, I was telling a story, you know, me being a kapampangan, uh, I have a tough time on saying certain words. To me, this is a tongue twister. This is just on the side, right? So when I was sharing this with my wife, she was laughing because there was a period of time that I have a problem saying, uh, the, like Matthew, Theodore, Thomas, uh, or thump, 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 before I say thump, 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 or Matthew, Theodore, Thomas. <laughs> so this part, the, the first is that they have never been taught to tithe. Did I say that right? <laughs> <laughs> she was laughing. I hope you'll say that right. When you... So because of the way some people react, many preachers never, never approach the subject. The second reason people do not tithe is that they misunderstand the place of tithing in the Bible. As I said earlier, some people do not think that, it's, that it is, uh, that they don't think it is tithing, we shouldn't be tithing today. 
But this is a misunderstanding of the principle of tithing as God's plan for giving. And the third reason, see, I said it again, third. Third reason that people do not tithe is simply because they refuse to do so. Some people refuse to tithe no matter what you say or what God says. And many people are living lives filled with tragic events, events which cost them not only financial suffering, but emotional suffering as well. They are suffering because as Christians, they refuse to give his tithe. They, in the words of our text today, have been cursed with a curse. So why should we give? Why we should give? First is we need to give because God is the owner of all that we possess. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Our life, our health, our mate, our children, and all of our material and monetary blessings are from Him. So when we give to God, we are acknowledging His ownership and lordship over every area of our lives. This was the idea of bringing of the first fruits in the Old Testament. By giving God the first of all our increase, we declare that He is Lord over it all. Second, is we are accountable to God for how we use the material possessions which He has entrusted us to care. We are stewards of what we possess, not owners. Our possessions have merely been entrusted to us for our use. All that we have really belongs to God. How we use what God has entrusted us is the responsibility of stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4 says, It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Number three, if God is the owner and we don't give to him, we become robbers. Will a man rob God? Yet, ye have robbed me, says the Lord. Failure to tithe brings insult and indignation to your provider. It is like saying, God, I, I, I just don't trust you. It is just simple. It is just this simple. You give, God blesses. You don't give, and God will get his tithes in another way. We cannot rob God. Number four, we also need to give because God has commanded us to give. In Malachi 3, chapter 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And another passage of Scripture in Leviticus says, All the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. It is clear that God has commanded tithing, that is, giving one-tenth of all your income to the Lord, God accuses the people of robbing him. When they ask him how, he said, in tithes and offerings. Then he commanded the people to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which was his house. And the purpose was that there would be sufficiency in the house of God. Number five, we should give because of the, that great need. The work of God in the church depends on the tithe. God has chosen to tie his work to the faithfulness of his people. 
In order for the church to be blessed and able to carry out His work, we must all tithe. We are exhorted to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Just think what could be accomplished if everyone would just tithe. I don't know if you've heard of this, but do you know that an average on churches, people who tithe are only about 15 to 20%. A lot of churches. And imagine still God is sustaining those churches. He's able to sustain them. Just imagine what could be accomplished if everyone would just tithe. Think of the support that would be given to missions. Think of the extra money that would be available to local outreach. Buildings could be refurbished and needed improvements made. Look at this building. Beautiful, isn't it? We have a very generous congregation, both campuses. We could not have done this had it not been for your generosity. Right now, we're doing the same thing. Some cosmetics at the other campus. Again, it is because of your generosity that we are able to do these things. More money, if everybody would be tithing, more money could be available to the poor and hungry. More money could be channeled to agencies and ministries that are worthy. Money would be freed up to help struggling churches get on their feet. New churches could be started, and the list go on. We have been blessed. Chinese ministry started here. Hispanic. The other campus, the same thing. We have a Hispanic ministry now that is blossoming and it's growing. All this could happen in most churches if the people would just tithe. 10% of all the incomes of the families in our church would meet, would more than meet these needs. And if all God's people in the church would be faithful to bring forth God's tithe, there is no question that God's work would prosper. The church would not only have enough money to pay the basic operating expenses, the church would also have enough money to reach out to the world. Number six. There's 32 of this, okay? <laughs> we should give because of the promises of God. It says, Lord says, prove or test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. This is the only place where the Lord says to prove or test him. We have his permission to put him to the test in this. Do you believe him? He said, try him on this. See if you can, get out, if you can outgive God. Try it. Test him if he, give, he gives you a challenge. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Second Corinthians says, He which showed sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he which sowed bountifully shall reap also bountifully. See, I believe in this. Any, anybody here planted tomatoes, for example? You know, I don't have a green thumb, but several years ago, I planted, I just scattered a few seeds in my backyard, and suddenly, uh, just months later, I had tomatoes all over, <laughs> crawling at the back, 
You see, when they say what you, what you uh, sow, you reap, that's really downplaying it. You reap more than what you sow. Even up to now, years later, we, we've unplucked everything, right? Every now and then I see tomatoes still sprung up from, from different places. See, we should give because, the next one is we should give because of our gratitude for all the Lord has done for us. He has blessed us beyond what we deserve because all that He has done for us we can give out a heart full of love for Him. We give because we want to. This is the best and highest motivation for Christian giving. We should give because we love Jesus. So, what should we give? It says that we should give tithes and offerings. We'll figure out what the difference is. The beginning point of Christian stewardship is the tithe. Do you give carefully to the Lord? Have you looked at your income and tithing records to be sure that you're giving a tenth? You may say, oh, that's too legalistic. Well, I'm going to ask you something. If your paycheck, for example, was short $20 this week, and your employer said, don't be too legalistic, it's only $20, what would you think of that? Do you want your employer to be careful in figuring your wages? then we need to be careful in figuring our tithe to the Lord. Tithing is an Old Testament word, but many other key words as well, like faith, atonement, redemption, righteousness, sin. They have their origin in the Old Testament, but not in the law. So neither does tithing. Some also ask, do you tithe net or gross? That's a question that's always going back and forth. Those who make an argument for a net tithe do so generally to evade the issue. The real issue is, what do we give to Jesus? If we really love the Lord, we will want Him to get more. Let me emphasize, however, that the tithe is only a beginning place of Christian stewardship, not an ending place. In addition to tithes, there are offerings, which are gifts over and above the tithes. There was a book I was reading, uh, studying. If you put this together, it's around 33%. In addition, you're so quiet, huh? The door's locked. We're going to have another offering, by the way, after. No, just easy. We are to give as we have been prospered, it says. Okay? Some can give much more than a tithe because you are able to do so. Okay? But we are supposed to give as we have been prospered. It says in, in the book of Luke, that to whom much has been given, much is required. We should seek to grow in the grace of giving just as we seek to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. If we can't even follow this command of the Lord, how can we expect the greater miracles 
of the Lord to happen in our lives, such as healing. You know, we're expecting miracles from Him if we can't even do this. He said in, 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 in the scripture, this is the least, actually, of the things that He's asking us. We also should give offerings, as I said. Offerings are mentioned. Look at this. Offerings are mentioned 724 times in the Bible. While tithe, or tithe, is mentioned only 38 times. If offering is mentioned 686 times more than tithes, then why are we so many times more faithful to give tithes and yet not give offerings? For every one time tithe is mentioned, there are 19 times an offering is mentioned. In Exodus 30, it says, This they shall give everyone that passed among them that are numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. And, and, and half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. A shekel was a temple money. One shekel represented the tithes of the people. And tithes was commanded, if tithes was commanded to us, it was given to us by God. Okay? An offering was given from the heart. The offerings were given to work to the work of the church. We know that tithing preceded the law, but it was established as a practice in the Jewish law in Leviticus 27. It says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. The tithe was given to the Levites. They were the keepers of the temple at that time. The Levites did not work jobs outside of the temple. They received their wages from the tithe. Tithes did not build the temple. Tithes was used for the priests and Levites who managed the temple. The people gave freely from their abundance an offering for, for, uh, for, the, uh, for the tabernacle. And the offerings were meant to be used to upkeep the temple and the tithing for the ministers of the temple. It was given from their abundance. We live in a day when we put ourselves in a place when we are so in depth we cannot really freely give to God because we don't have an abundance. So when and where should we give? To whom we give, to whom the, uh, it is due. The simple answer is we give to the Lord. There is a God-ordained agency which enables us to do that. It is called the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God had prospered him. Which means there are two things that are clear. The first is the, the when of giving. And the second, it is to be on the first day of the week. That is Sunday. We worship on the first day, the day of resurrection. The church calls it the Lord's Day. Secondly, just as the when is clear, um, so also is the where. So where are Christians to be on the first day of the week? The Lord's Day. Where are you today? We're at church. They are meeting together as the church on the Lord's Day. In other words, 
Tithing is an act of worship and is to be included in our worship on Sunday. So, what are the results of being faithful? Okay, the results of being faithful, it says in the Word of God, See if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall be no room enough to contain it. God's great provisions is a sign to the tither. What is one thing God cannot do? He cannot lie. He always tells us the truth. And if God says it, that settles it. He will come through for us. See, as I conclude today, okay, there's a big difference between the people who are doing tithing in the Old Testament and what we're doing now. We have now not only better covenants, but better promises. What do I mean by that? In the Old Testament, when they do tithing, they were under the law. They tithe so that they can be saved. In the New Testament, we tithe because we honor the Lord in our giving. We trust, we, we, we are acknowledging that we trust Him when we tithe. And we tithe to help provide for the ministry here on earth. And the other thing is when offerings were given, whether in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, a high priest would offer the offering in the altar. Today, whenever we do offerings, tithes and offerings, we give them unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father, is offering those gifts to Father God and says, Lord, these are the tithes and offerings. And the thing about that is our high priest who's also our mediator, he is sympathetic to us. He means he sympathizes with our weaknesses. Let's say some of you here, you put your money in the offering basket and you are struggling in your finances. Say, so, I don't know how I'm going to pay that electric bill now. Jesus sympathizes with you. He knows your situation. So when he brings those offering to the Father, if you put him first, says, Lord, you know that person, uh, this is her situation. How do I know that? Because it says in the scripture, Jesus is looking at what we give in the basket. Remember the story of the woman who gave two mites in the offering basket? He called, Jesus called his disciples and said, do you see that woman right there? In my calculation, she gave more than anybody else in this church or, or assembly at that time, even though she only gave two mites because she gave out, out of poverty. And our high priest, it, he's got the ability to meet every need that we have instantly. He wants to. He has that ability. And he inherited everything from the Father. That's why he's able to do that. And so, shall we all stand?
I don't know where you're at in the in your state of your giving, but this is just what I can share with you on our own personal experience. When we migrated here about 27 years ago now, like many of us immigrants, we didn't have money. It was hard. It was tough. We struggled. I was the only one working. My wife had to go to school. And so we were, it was hard financially. We came to a point where the phone is ringing, and I don't even want to answer the phone because I don't know who's going to be collecting, whether it's AT&T or Southern California Edison. I don't know who. I don't know what to say. It was that hard. But I do remember in our poverty, we tried to give many years. About took us 20 years to get our green card. In those 20 years, we had to pay our lawyers over $80,000 to get our documents to be right. Jumping from one application after another. And during that period, my wife and I, obviously we had some arguments. And he would question me. I said, how come you're so calm? As if I don't care. Because I told her, I know my God. I know my God. In our struggle, we tried still to keep giving. And we came to a point that obviously we experienced a lot more abundance than we were in before. That's why I can attest to you, giving to the Lord works. It does work. So I don't know what condition you are in your stewardship. It may not even be financial. But if you want to be in line with the provision of God, you, then you need to start giving to the Lord the right way. Just last week, for some odd reason, I have no idea that it's going to come. Okay? Lord gives you something that you don't even know sometimes where they come wrong. I opened my checking account one morning, and then there was an additional $10,000 from something, a deposit that we made way back that we even don't even know existed. Oh, we had money there, and it's there. That's how the Lord works. So even out of poverty, I encourage you, test the Lord. I encourage you to give because he's a great giver. Not only a great giver, he is a multiplier. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.